Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. The podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Habitat Podcast. Like I said, we are here together to become better habitat managers. We are here to learn with you, even the hosts, myself, Brian. We're learning, guys. This is the best part about our podcast is you get to learn with us, follow along, grow, become better habitat managers. And we have kind of some success stories tonight with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brian Hallbly, and then my other good friend, Mr. Sam Carosa out of Illinois. So guys, we talk about my hunt from Illinois. We talk about Sam's buck he killed uh, in November. And we talk about Brian's buck he killed in November. We talk about the highs and lows of deer hunting. You know, we've all had some incidents this year where things have not gone our way. Um, I'm sure some of you guys can relate. There are lessons to be learned and there are backstraps to be grilled. So appreciate you guys coming back for another episode of the Habitat Podcast. I want to thank everybody who has been leaving us great reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate you. I will send you a free 5-inch decal. You scroll down below, hit the, the link to uh, leave a review. Email me, info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a decal in the mail. Guys, one thing that I have noticed is that Exodus has great, great products and they are running and selling them through the remainder of the year. There is, there is, there are some new things coming for next year, but I got my NIS arrows, brand new arrows. I'm going to shoot next year in the mail. These are thin diameter. Like, they're like the Easton four millimeters. 
um, thin diameter arrows, heavy FOC, uh, the NIS arrows by Exodus. I didn't get them in time to change my bow setup this year, so I'm still shooting the MMTs. I'm very happy with the MMTs. I really have no complaints about those. You can't even break those arrows um, if you shoot them into trees or anything else. I've tried uh, accidentally. And I think that those arrows, the MMTs, are extremely well. But they came out with a new one this year called the NIS that I'll be shooting. Um, as soon as bow season's done, I'm going to revamp the bow to shoot the NIS. Guys, they do not offer any sort of bad, cheap product. Exodus does not run like that. You know, they would not be in business or, or have their five-year warranty um, if they did something like that. They also have their newer rival cell cameras. This would be like a like a comparison to the Tacticam reveal camera, um, kind of that lower price point, but better camera, better warranty, better customer service. Um, I got three of them I'm running right now. AT&T on the new HP 40. I really like the pictures I'm getting from them. They're nice, crisp, and clear. Very simple to set up. Simple camera. You know, not a lot to it. Just plug and play type camera. The the Rival and the NIS Arrows. Check them out. Christmas is coming up. You want something nice. Maybe just slip your, slip your wife a, a link, you know, over to the Exodus Outdoor Gear website slash discount slash HP. The, the link is below. Copy it. Shoot it over to them and just check out some of the stuff they have on uh, on their website prior to Christmas here, guys. So great guys over there at Exodus, Jake, Chad, Cam, love those guys. And, um, you know, would love your support to those who help support us. I also want to mention Vitalized Seed. Guys, Vitalized Seed Company has opened pre-orders for the spring food plot seed. The spring mix called Nitro Boost is now open for pre-ordering. Um, this is a great mix that drives nitrogen into the soil on its own. Mother Nature, the plants, they fix and they fix nitrogen. This mix is available. We'll be shipping in March. Um, if you're interested in being a brand new dealer for Vitalized Seed, reach out. You know, Jared at VitalizedSeed.com, Albert at VitalizedSeed.com. Happy to help. We are adding dealers across the country. Uh, Louisiana, over to Eastern PA, you know, over to Wisconsin. The Midwest is surely covered. The South, the South is getting covered, and the East is getting covered as well. If you guys need anything else, free shipping at, at vitalizedseed.com. We will take care of you. But what I'm trying to say is spring food plot planting pre-orders are open. And also, again, coming back to the holiday comment, if you're interested in a gift card, you can buy a Vitalized Seed gift card at VitalizedSeed.com. All right, guys, really appreciate you guys coming back to the Habitat podcast. You know, we're trying to put out these episodes once a week for you guys, free content. The Patreon channel will be launching in less than 30 days. January 1st, we will have Habitat podcast Patreon. It's a it's a community building crowdsourcing website. And what we're going to do with it is pretty special. We are going to build a close community with the listeners of this show and give back, help build HP 40, help do some really cool things um, with y'all. So couldn't do it without you. Very glad you're here. And just want to thank our partners who are supporting us and have been supporting us from the very beginning. I want to thank Packer Max Cult Packers, Vitalized Seed Company, Downburst Cedars, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Morris Nursery, Tagged Out Seed Products, Realtree, Midwest Lifestyle Properties, UC Hunting Properties, First Light. Thanks, guys. Please tune in next week for another great episode of the Habitat Podcast. Um, yeah, you know, episode 250-something, I'm over here muting myself like an amateur, so...
<laughs> Off to a great start. Off to a great start. How are you boys doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's always a good time to get together and, and bullshit a little bit and see what everyone's up to. So it sounds like Brian is out uh, showing us up again, Jared. Working. <laughs> Grinding. Well, the work never ends. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm just uh, heading back home from uh, southeast Ohio and got everything ready. Had some camera issues. Got those all straightened out and got the feeders filled. And that place is all ready for sucking gun season now. So I'm probably not going to make it back till after Christmas because I got to head to South Texas for a deer and hog hunt here next week, but got that all ready to go. All Good. right. All right. So we have uh, Brian Hallboy. If you don't know who Brian Hallboy is, you uh, you might have just found the podcast yesterday. Um, Brian, glad you're back on, brother. Glad things are going well. And, and then we also have the ve- the velvety pipes of Mr. Sam Carosa, <laughs> our uh, Illinois brethren. So uh, appreciate you guys hopping on tonight. Hey, thank you. Always a pleasure. So, so Brian, what you you have? Uh, hold on. So, second gun season in Ohio. When's that? Isn't that probably what ten days ish? If I had to guess, I've never done it. I want, I want to say it's the sixteenth. I think it's I think it's four days, or maybe that's the muzzleloader. It's four days, but it's either two or four for the second gun. Then the muzzleloader, I think, is a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday in January. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So how how's the farm looking down there? Are you guys, uh, there's no snow, I assume, right? We got a little bit. Um, that couple days that got down into the teens here. Um, but it's it's been back into the 40s and 50s. Today's like 40s. So no, no, nothing, nothing on the ground here in, in southeast Ohio. But up north at my old farm and up where Al lives, there's, there's been some, I think they've got six or eight, maybe a little bit more up there, the lake effect. Okay. So I assume that, you know, the food plots are obviously still green deer probably hitting the green. That's what they're doing around here. Uh, at least in the last couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. So some of our plots are still hanging in there. Got some decent food. Other ones got hit pretty hard, but yeah, they're, they're hitting the green again. And then, um, when the temperatures drop, they hit the feeders a little more, but, uh, yeah, the herd seems to be in pretty good shape. We took out, um, seven does total so far and uh might might take a few more we're just kind of watching cameras and and trying to reevaluate where our numbers are at but uh, definitely needed to shoot a bunch of does and we we got a good start on it heck yeah man well yeah i want to hear more about you know your your hunts here in a second as well as as well as sam's and and maybe we'll even get to mine as well kind of a kind of a december check-in with the guys um since the last time we talked We've all had a nice, a nice harvest. Uh, Sam, what's new in your neck of the woods, brother? How's the farm looking? Uh, I don't think you guys have snow either, based on what I saw last weekend in Illinois. No, no snow right now. We got a little bit of snow maybe ten days ago, and got some cold temps. And man, the cell the cell cameras were just on fire for about four days there. And it was right before the second firearm season in Illinois. Um, and then, of course, warm temps came for second gun season, and and some rain. I wasn't out there anyways. I was actually on call for work, so I didn't mind seeing some de- some some warm weather come in. So so none of my bucks got shot. But uh, um, yeah, farm is looking good. Same thing. Our our vitalized plots are starting to get a little beaten up right now. You know, we got a lot of deer counting on the on those plots right now, and they're uh, they're hammering it. So. You know, I get a good daylight picture every couple of days and it's it's like, oh, man, these I don't know how much longer these plots are going to last. But, um, you know, we did put a, a, a good amount of acreage 
comparatively to the last couple of years. So I'm hoping that it lasts a little bit longer. Um, so we'll see. You know, it's 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 all good over at the farm, though. So we got a couple couple straggler bucks that are holding on. And, and uh, you know, so the point of the season where you almost want to, like, reward those deer for making it through all these seasons and just saying, all right, I'll see you next year, you know. Um, but that's where we're at right now. I know muzzleloaders coming up this weekend. I don't think I'll be out, be out for that one as well. So kind of giving the, the farm a good rest since the rut. Yeah, I, I truly know what you mean about, you know, they've made it this far. Um, you know, we're almost to, okay, let's see how they do next year. I mean, yeah. it's December 7th where we're recording this. And I mean, I'm, I've been watching cameras around here in Michigan waiting for, for something. And we have had a good buck showing up along with a bunch of two-year-olds on that lease that I'm on. And um, my good buddy, Bob, who I'm on that lease with, uh, who actually got me on that lease, actually harvested him tonight. Uh, a solid, solid four-year-old Michigan deer. Oh, nice. Yeah, really, really cool deer. I'll share him on Instagram and Facebook with everybody. But uh, that was the only deer that I was going to go back out there and 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 get after. You know, I'm my freezer's full. Yeah. Um, I'll still do some some doe harvesting and donation and whatnot. But this buck was the only one. And uh, you know, congrats to Bob. He he nailed him. Great deer. I'll send you guys a picture. But to your point, there's a two or three or four two year old A points that I'm like, well, next year they should be fairly nice, you know, and then the year after that even better. So to your point, um, we have about let's see, it's Wednesday, there's Thursday, probably about four more days of quote unquote gun season, and then it's then the bucks are safe from projectiles, uh, with with gunpowder behind them. Bow and arrow, you know, we're still still that, but a couple more days left. So yeah. wow, I didn't realize Michigan uh gun season was still in. That thing just never ends, huh? <laughs> it, it it ends on the <laughs> it never ends. It ends on the last day of November and then muzzle loader starts up. But if you're in the southern portion of the state, you can use any legal firearm for muzzle loader. So you can continue to use your rifle or shotgun um until the 13th. So it's like it's like a month long rifle season down here in the southern part of the state. Yeah, yeah, that's hard on the deer for sure. Oof. I mean, we, we know that's no secret that Michigan deer get hammered by pressure, but man, they're on the tail end. So you got to like you said, if they made it this far, you just got to let them go almost. Oh yeah, I mean, you get a three or four year old buck down here, you're you're doing good. And uh, what's weird, you know, the DNR is not to go off on a tangent here, but the DNR is, has been trying to get us to harvest does so bad. Um, and still, this year we've shot across the state, entire state, we've shot over fifty percent more bucks than does. I no no, I think it'll be a hundred percent more. So it's it's two times the bucks, yeah, the does um, across the board, and we're down in our deer harvest by about I don't know twenty something percent. So, yeah, things are not looking great over here for harvest. But anywho, passing those two year olds, get them to next year, would be a key thing for sure, for sure. So Brian, um, first of all, you were the first one to shoot a buck after our last podcast with Al when we talked about his buck. So I got the picture sitting here. I'm trying to find what date it was on. I want to hear that buck story, brother. I think the listeners want to hear it too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was November 9th. Got Let it. me back up to November 1st real quick. Um, had a lot of exciting encounters in Ohio. Um, spent most of my time down there, which, you know, it's just natural. We have a lot better bucks and a lot more opportunity it seems than most of my spots back in pa it's kind of hit or miss but november 1st um was the first day uh, we went to camp in southeast ohio hunted um the morning didn't see a whole lot of action the cameras got a, a few bucks here and there 
but um, we weren't sitting in the right spot. Um, that evening on November 1st, I set up on a uh, really long, narrow, vitalized plot. Uh, it runs, what would that be, east to west. Um, it's probably only 50 yards wide, but it's probably probably 100, maybe 150 yards long. Um, we had a lot of does showing up there, and with the MRI, there was a lot of bucks coming in there and, and checking that area out a couple of days leading up to the first. So uh, I was sitting in the tree stand there. Uh, the wind was blowing out of the northwest, so that buck came in from the southwest, which was perfect, and the wind was kind of blowing from him to me, uh, kind of like an off wind. Yeah. He stepped out in the corner of that food plot, checked on some of the does that had been coming through there, and he was at 35 yards. Uh, I was able to get him stopped. I drew, and uh, everything felt good. Uh, got the pin buried on him and, and took my time, went through my sequence, and touched it off and it, it felt good. It, I thought it, I made a good hit and the buck took off like his rear end was on fire and uh, kind of thought, you know, you start analyzing everything. It's like, well, if anything, I may have hit a touch high, but it wasn't anything that I felt real concerned about. But, um, you know, just figured I'd give him some time and uh, just to back it up real quick, some does had come out and I heard this really loud grunt behind me in the timber and, um, that, holy heck that's you know you've been hunting long enough normally when you hear those deeper grunts you can tell it's a it's an older deer not not that higher pitch stuff like the like the younger bucks do so it it was kind of exciting to hear him before i saw him and then he come up out of a little draw in a little bit of timber behind me and all i saw was antlers coming up out of there first and i actually had him at like 20 yards behind me but he was it, it's just really thick there we have a really nice edge feather around that corner of that food plot and uh, I couldn't get a shot at him there. And then he just worked his way sort of to the north. And um, I gave him a snort wheeze. And I don't know if he was planning on coming out into that field anyway. He probably was. But uh, it kind of felt good. Like I gave him a little snort wheeze and he, he walked out and I got him stopped. So, yeah, but um, gave him probably an hour. Uh, got down. Uh, my buddies came over. We went down and looked and, and rate. Like I said, that's only 50 yards wide. So he took off out of the plot pretty quickly and um, went down right outside of the plot, probably not even 50 yards from the shot. He dropped down into a drainage and there was two big puddles of blood. I was like, oh, this is, this is a good sign. You know, it's really good sign. So we started looking around and from those two puddles, there wasn't much else going on. And it's like, well, what the heck happened to that, uh, to the blood trail here? So kind of started doing a couple little circles here and there and there was just no blood after those two puddles and it was it was kind of lighter blood not real dark like you would see with liver um didn't think about it being a muscle hit until we started circling and couldn't find anything and then i started thinking maybe i hit him higher than i thought maybe it was a muscle hit so we tried to uh do some circling couldn't find any more blood and um just decided to back out until the morning because it had gotten dark at this point and uh, started going from, you know, feeling really good about the shot. And you guys know how that goes to like, what in the heck happened? You know, what went wrong this time? Cause it's always, you know, on a buck and then, you know, 35 yards isn't a, isn't a super far shot, but it's, it's a decent poke for a comp combo. And, you know, I practiced that and, and more, you know, all year long. Um, so we backed out next morning, we went in, same thing. We were just unable to find any blood past those two puddles. 
uh, decided to get a hold of a dog. Uh, the guy was able to show up. He couldn't get there until later in the day because he was a teacher. And then um, looked around. He he took his dog for probably he picked he did they did pick up some blood about 15 20 yards from where we lost it. Um, just pin drops uh, from there. Uh, but the dog was able to follow the trail out for about 100 150 yards. Um, but these dog handlers, I, I don't know how familiar everybody is. I'm sure some of the listeners know. Um, how that works. Like these dogs, they're either super on the trail and they're interested and these handlers know that they're tracking a dead deer or they're just have trouble keeping them interested. And that's kind of what he kept saying. He was like, well, I'm going to try to do my best for you. He goes, but the way that this dog works when she's on something good, I can't get her to stop. She, she won't give up. But if it's, if it's iffy and she starts acting like this, I know she's not following a, a dead deer. It has, it has something to do with, their instincts, you know, being from coyotes and wolves, that they know they're not following the weak or the sick or the hurt or the injured. Oh, wow. the way he explained it, to me, which which made a lot of sense. So yeah, yeah. So that was that was pretty heartbreaking. It was um, a really big eight point. I'm not the best at judging them on the hoof, but you know, looking at the trail cam pictures. Thankfully, later on we got some trail cam pictures of them uh, a week or two later, and he had a mark higher on his shoulder. Uh, I seem I seem to like to do that. I've done that in the past, unfortunately. But um, the buck was no worse for the wear, which made me feel a little bit better. And um, you know, he was probably pushing. You know, he was in the in the mid 140s. We we kind of figured as an eight point, which was a great buck to me, anywhere. So kind of disappointing, but um, also exciting to to have that kind of action and that opportunity. And uh, just glad that. He didn't get injured to the point where he was wasted, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, I I commend you for for doing all the things you could possibly possibly do. And I, I'm not telling you anything new or Sam anything new. We all know exactly how you would go about this. But you know, maybe for the listeners, um, you know, taking that, spending that extra money, getting that dog, you know, doing things to the nth degree for the respect of the animal. Uh, I commend you, man. It sucks. It sucks. Sounds like he's a giant, but, um, you know, good on you for doing what you could. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all we can do and, and, and try to learn from it. It's just, it's one of them things, man. It's, you know, we always talk about it being a game of inches when you're, when you're bow hunting, especially with a compound, it's, you know, two inches high and, and you're out of the game. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate, but just have to try to go back to the range and, and get better and, uh, dust yourself off and, and know that you did everything that you could. Yeah, yeah. and they, they, they duck shots and, you know, and arrows drop and there's twigs and there's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> there's all kinds of yeah. stuff. You guys know that. It's... And that's, that, that's another aspect of it, too. Like, you guys know when you have to stop a buck, because he wasn't stopping on his own. He was moving pretty good looking for these does. And then when I snort wheezed at him, he was probably looking for a buck, too. But... You take that chance when you stop them, they're on high alert. So he could have dropped a little bit too when I released that because it wasn't a natural movement. You know, he was he was locked up looking around like, what the hell was that? Yeah. But there's just there's there's so much that goes into play, but you know, just just have to learn from it and, and move on. Yeah, Brian, I've seen your groups that you've shot. I mean, you're you're a heck of a shot. I, I kind of tend to believe that at 35 yards after you stopped him with a snort wheeze that, that maybe he did drop. I mean, you'll never know, unfortunately, unless you got a video camera out there and you slow it right. down. But um, right. that sounds like it's very plausible to me. But, you know, I was 
just like what you were saying, I mean, I, I was sitting in the, the stand this year, and I'll tell you about some of my humbling stories here in a, in a minute as well. And I'm sitting here thinking one day, just like how hard, how freaking hard is it to get an arrow into the lungs of a deer in the wild? You know, it's just there's so much that can go wrong. First, you got to see him. Then you got to get them close enough. Then you got to get them to stop where you want them without catching you drawn. And then they got to stay put while you execute a perfect shot. You know, I mean, some years it feels like you, you can't miss and some years it just feels impossible. So we'll get to my set, my sad story in a second, but I'll, I'll let you go with your, uh, your, the rest of your story there, Brian. But I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, you just got to get back on the horse and yeah, I spent a few more days hunting. Um, well, we, we took two days you know, looking for that deer. And even after the dog, I went back in there just doing circles and just trying to dot all the uh, I's and cross all the T's, but uh, ended up hunting a couple more days. And that, you know, as I always do during the rut, during my rut vacation, I, I might hunt three or four days in a row, then go home to Pennsylvania, spend a day or two with Karen and then head back out. But um, fortunately, eight days later on uh, November 9th, while I was back in PA, um, we have a really good rut spot, and I got to thank my buddy Chris Hanbury. His wife's aunt owns some property in the suburbs, and um, there's kind of like a big funnel that comes through her property behind her house. And just for whatever reason, in between bedding areas back there, every November, no matter it seems, if we pop in there the first or second week of November, we always are in the bucks cruising through there. So he called me up. He said, "Hey." You want to go out in the morning? I don't have anything going on. We haven't been over there this year. Let's let's just go do a hang and bang, and and that's what we did. And you know, I'd like to tell you a super exciting story, but I got one of my favorite uh, triple trunk oaks back there with my uh, mobile set tree stand and sticks. Uh, we were set up before daylight, and I think it was about 8:30. I was hunting on the upper bench. There's like two benches that come across this this funnel there. Uh, Chris was on the lower bench about 80 yards from me, and uh, I thought I heard him shoot, but I didn't see a deer coming up his way. Um, it's fairly open there, but there are some some thick spots there that you can't see everywhere. So um, Chris texted me. He says, you're not going to believe this. I screwed up. I was like, well, it's still early, man. I'm glad you got to see a buck, and we'll, we'll see what happens here. And, and literally, we're texting back and forth, and, and not a half an hour later, I'm like, I got my phone in my hand and I just happened to look to my right. And then there's, there's a decent eight point standing there. And, uh, I kind of had to, I was facing the opposite way of my bow hanger and I kind of had to get my phone put away and, and reach to my left and get my bow. But, uh, he made it real easy on me. He just kept looking around moseying down the trail. And, um, I think it was only a 19 yard shot by the time I got set on him and just gave him a little merp to stop him and, uh, no problems with that shot. I mean, perfectly, he's quartering away. I, I put it on that last rib, and that arrow ran up and just obliterated everything. I mean, exactly what you want as he's running away. There's blood flying out, and watch him do a, a pinwheel after 50 yards. And then you're like, like Sam said, there's days where it's like you can't do anything wrong, and you just you just scratch your head, but you know, count your blessings too that you're given that opportunity and you make good on it. Well, that's, I mean, that's how you're supposed to, uh, what's what I'm looking for, respond to the first situation, come back with a vengeance and send it right into the boiler maker. I mean, absolutely. That's, 
you know we shoot all the time and, and everything else it's not it's not a matter of of i can't hit where i'm aiming you know it's all these other factors that we talk about so well dude well done and you know back straps in the freezer he was dead right off the bat i mean how was that feeling after the first situation oh it's it's just uh total redemption it, it's it's like you're ready to give up and sell all of your stuff and you're like why am i doing this and you spend so much time away from your family and you get an opportunity and blow it and you're like you just question everything that you're doing but then when it all comes together you're like well this is why i do it <laughs> this, you know you get on that cloud nine and just ride it out and it's just like wow okay now i feel better yeah there's a monkey off your back for sure i know you're holding holding yourself too accountable for that deer that, that you that you uh hit but man it happens and uh you know i mean you're, you're a killer with all, how many does did you kill this year geez you, you've been on a roll so glad you got got your buck down that was that was awesome news yeah i appreciate that yeah so uh like i said i wish i had a a real exciting story to tell about that one but you know sometimes you're just in the right spot at the right time and and it all works out but uh two days later i was back in ohio and I was hunting a uh, box blind that I was pretty familiar with. I had shot two does out of there. And um, I'm, I'm kind of new to, to hunting out of blinds. Um, I just picked up one a few years back. That Banks blind that I bought was the first one that I have ever owned myself. And uh, just kind of working through the process of, you know, should I leave some windows open, you know, getting used to positioning yourself right. But I, I got pretty comfortable and shot a couple of does out of the, this one blind. And, uh, we had a really nice buck we were getting pictures of in the area, a big 10-point. Uh, Al said he's a, a 150-type deer. Uh, he's a little better at, at scoring them on the cameras than I am. And I think he was pretty accurate on that one. But um, about 8.30, the morning of the 11th, all I saw was that cage coming through the, the, the timber. And I was like, here we go. <laughs> and in uh, and, and, and hindsight, you know, I had all the windows closed because the wind was kind of swirling that day. And it was really cold. And uh, in hindsight, you know, should have just immediately opened that front window and been ready to go. But it's like, you know, he's kind of taking his time coming up and it's like it's dead silent. Uh, you don't want to make a lot of noise. So I just start to like ease up and slowly slow that slide that window open so it doesn't make any noise. Well, as I'm doing that, he he like turns from sneaking up from that uh, drainage to like sprinting into the food plot like as Ouch. fast as i could snap my finger he's in the shooting lane so i'm scrambling trying to get the window open without making too much noise and it, it's almost like i don't know if it was the swirling wind uh he, he didn't act like he had caught a whiff of anything but he was just so on edge being out in that kind of opening there and uh he never stopped moving he ran off he came back he ran off again and it just by the time I got everything settled, I, I had lost my opportunity. And, and I'm just like, then I start to beat myself to death again. Like, you know, you start replaying everything. Like I should have done this. I should have done that. But all of that aside, that was a fantastic encounter to have that type of animal at 20 yards and, and to watch him come in like that. So I had a stretch of 11 days of, of some real excitement and, you know, Looking back on it all, some missed opportunities and, and some bad shots and, and a great shot on a PA buck. Just um, just have to be thankful for that that whole stretch. And, um, you know, those opportunities don't come like that all the time. And to have that many in, in 11 days is pretty special. 
Very, very well said. And, and I'd like to say, uh, you know, good job for hanging in there and, and keeping and, you know, keeping at it and not letting it get to you. But I would have I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't have been feeling some of the same feelings you were feeling <laughs> on any of those hunts. The first one. Yeah. The second one or the third one, I would have been right there with you. Um, no matter how pretty you want to paint the picture, I'd have been, you know, saying the same stuff in, in my head as you did. So I get it, buddy. I think we all get it. You know, yeah. you got a big old yeah. buck that runs through your shooting lane at 20 yards and you. Oh, man. Yeah. It's it's hindsight's 2020 at that point. It's kicking you right in the rear. I fully. Totally <laughs> you know, that's the thing about well, those box lines, Brian. <laughs> It, you know, those back spines, when I'm sitting in them, I can't, I, the whole time I have so much anxiety, like, is my wind blowing out this window that's open? Should I close that window? Ooh, yeah. what if a deer sneaks up on me this way? I'm not going to be able to get a window open. You, you never know what's going to happen, and you can never predict exactly what's going to happen. I mean, my my philosophy is try to keep maybe two windows open where you think you're going to get your shot, and then hope to be able to scramble for the rest of them, you know, depending on where your wind's blowing. But, I mean, that's just a, that's just an educated guess. That's all that is. You know, you never know what's going to happen, so... Don't be too hard on yourself for that one. Yeah, and um, we talked about that, and I, I appreciated that input. And it's it's like we talked about with the with the first buck. You just it's another situation where you have to learn and move forward. You know, being new to box blinds, it's just, it's something I'm going to have to put in the memory banks and 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 try to be better next time. But uh, yeah, I mean, a good takeaway is that I I didn't try to rush anything or force anything. Yeah, like I, I could see, I could see in my younger days when I was a little more immature. You think, well, I just need to get this arrow into the steer and maybe take a bad shot or rush something. So, you know, I don't think he knew I was there. He, he kind of uh, skirted out of there, and, and we continued to get him on camera regularly after that. And uh, it, it was, it was pretty exciting. You know, I've been, growing up in PA, I didn't, I've never had too many 150 inch deer within bow range of me. So. Um, it's pretty special to have that opportunity and I'm not going to let that get lost on me either. Nope. It's just more fuel in the fire for, for next year. And, or even this year yet, like I said the other day, when you were talking about buying the duck boat and the fishing boat and, uh, get a couple, <laughs> couple brand new hobbies. I didn't, I didn't want to bring that up, but Brian was, Brian was literally going to become a waterfowl hunter and a fisherman a couple of days ago. And, uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that. It's good, I was cracking up. Well, I mean, you were just like, screw it. I'm selling my shit. I'm out of here. You guys can shoot the deer. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to catch a fish. I'm going to shoot the ducks. And, uh, they were all, you know, talking about like, where are you going to get your meat? You know, from the grocery store. You're like, well, fish and duck i'll eat that instead of venison whatever it was hilarious um, <laughs> you know and, and i know you you can't give it up it, you're you're too bit like we are to ever give it up but it's like the the box blind thing is a whole another thing that we'll have to get into it at another time but um i don't like sitting in them either uh but they are so effective i think the older i get the more i learn how effective they are especially in like the northern 70 down on that bottom where that stupid wind is hitting me like three different directions all morning. Like it might be a thing. Um, so to your point, um, I don't know. I don't know. You got yourself within 20 yards of 150 inch deer. That's a win in my book. Absolutely. This is brought to you by Tagged Out Seed Products. Guys, Rich Hickson, my friend from Southern Ohio, owner of Tagged Out Seed Products is here to help. I know a lot of folks from Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, Kentucky, all hunt Ohio, Southern Ohio some giants down there i've been hunting down there for years so is brian um guys rich is here to help 
if you hunt in that area. Rich is a dealer for 360 hunting blinds, some of the best blinds I've ever been a part of and seen. He offers professional installation of these blinds if you'd like. He'll also do designing and planning food plots, establishing bedding areas, establishing screening access, anything you want, you know, trail cutting, unwanted vegetation control, invasives. He's kind of the guy on the ground for you. You know, here at Habitat Podcast, we design a lot of land plants. We design them. We offer our expertise and give you the map to success. Rich is the next step. Rich will put it into play for you if you need the help, if you're not around, if you'd like some additional expertise. You know, he'll he'll bring these plans to life for us, for you. Out-of-state landowners, um, feeder filling, trail camera adjustments, whatever you need. He's like, he's like a property manager. Um, he also supplies a lot of large volume feeders where legal. Uh, he can also help you with any sort of hunting advice that you might need. He's veteran owned. He's a veteran. Single dad, two kids, loves the outdoors. And I just, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, I just, I love his moral, where his moral compass is at and, and his outlook on things. And um, he's been in business three years now, serving landowners in Southern Ohio, Northern West Virginia, Northern Kentucky, and Western Pennsylvania. Guys, check him out on Facebook and Instagram at tagged out seed products that's the at symbol tagged out seed products check them out rich hickson with tagged out seed products new partner of the habitat podcast well your season has been oh i guess what i was what i was trying to say with all that is it's not i said to you after you were going to get the duck boat um it's not over till it's over right it's still it's still early december we still have season a lot of season in ohio a lot of season left in ohio Exactly. And then, you know, my buddy shot that big buck tonight. My friend Nick, brand new bow hunter, shot his first deer ever with a bow tonight on that on that uh, doe spot that I leased. So, you know, it's not it's not over. It's not over. And, um, you know, Sam, you have a little bit of a season of storytelling behind you as well this year. Am I am I wrong? For sure. And, and you know, last time we talked, I, I remember I felt like the season was passing me by because you guys got such an early start and, and we were mid-October before we really got going, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, the overall feeling of this season for me, and it, it was kind of over quick, um, you know, we still got some time here left, but I don't know how much I'm going to get out, is I felt like it was by far my best year as a habitat manager and as a farm owner and as a strategist. It was not my best year, and it was a humbling year as far as getting arrows into deer, you know, and get and getting deer killed. So this is the third year that we've owned this property, as many of you guys have heard several times. And I, I just feel like we really figured out where to go, what to do, when, and when to pull the trigger on, you know, how aggressive to get and all that stuff. So it was it was a really satisfying season for me. But, you know, October was fairly slow. We were trying to get my my nephew a, his first year and had some trials and tribulations there. He, he got arrows into two does and didn't get much penetration. And again, this is going back to what we talked about last time when you're pulling, I think he's pulling 38 pounds or something like that. You have to make just a perfect shot. But neither here nor there. Um, you know, it wasn't really till mid uh, early November when we really got pretty serious and and uh, and got after it. You know, turned to aggressive. So the first Saturday morning that we had in November was November fourth, and um, you know, my dad doesn't like to hunt mornings all that much. And and you know, November fourth when when you got a thirty degree weather is about the only thing that'll get him out of bed for a morning hunt. So he went out to our alfalfa corner in a box blind where he loves to hunt. It's right by the house, and it's his favorite spot. And I went to a first time sit um, stand that was made, basically made possible by our logger, Bobby Kendall, 
came through and blazed this trail on the on the south end of a bedding area. So on a north wind, you would think that a buck would be traveling this lane so you could send check for does and so on kind of a ridge point and everything. Beautiful spot. It's just a little bit tough to get into. So we got to pick our times carefully. Um, so I got in there before daybreak, you know, it was a little bit of a walk and get settled. And before light even comes up, I have does underneath me and they're just hanging out, being ultra cautious, being s- slow moving. You know how they just kind of linger and yada, yada. And, uh, and while they're under me, I've, I'm hearing my, you know, starting to get shooting light now. And I'm, I got my cell phone buzzing in my pocket, going crazy. And half the time it's you guys checking to see what's going on. And the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if my dad got something, you know, and I still have deer under me, so I can't look. So I'm watching him for 15 minutes or so. And sure enough, here comes next year over six, six does are underneath me, right? Within 25 yards. And I look over the ridge and here comes our biggest deer on our property that we've been chasing for three years that we call tips. And he's probably oh, a high 150s nine pointer. I mean, he's, he's oh, a boy. big deer and he's coming at me. I hear him grunt first, big old grunt. And I'm like, oh man, we got six does right here. I'm in the chips. I'm going to get a shot. And he <laughs> comes up to this ridge point and beds down immediately. Like he was rushing to get to that spot to bed down with six does around. I just could not believe it on November 4th. So he's at 50 yards and I'm sitting there shaking like a leaf and again, my, my cell phone's buzzing and um, watching him for 10 minutes. And he's just calm as can be chewing his cud. And, and finally he gets up and he starts walking towards these does. As soon as he gets up, he lets out a big old grunt again. And again, shaking like a leaf and he's coming to 29 yards is the closest he got to me. And he's facing right at me. So I draw my bow and then he gets to turns around, gets to 36 yards and beds down again. Wow. Like, what in the world is he doing? You know, he is like paying zero attention to these does. And uh, so he's kind of quartering away and I'm sitting there deciding, do I want to try and force a 36 yard shot on a quartering away buck that's all kind of hunched up and bedded up? And I said, no, he's calm. I'm going to wait and see how this goes. Right. So I wait another 10, 15 minutes watching him chew his cut again. And this time one of those does comes to 20 yards again and he gets up, stands up straight out of his bed and he bolts like 15 yards for no reason. Just, just something freaked him out, bolts for 15 yards and gets to about 50. And at this point, I'm like, okay, if he gives me a, a shot close, you know, within 45 yards, I'm taking it. And uh, the doe had me pegged at this point because I'm, she's right under me. And he gets to 42 yards right about. I draw back, put my pin on him, shoot and hit him right smack dab in the shoulder. Saw very little penetration, saw him run away. You know, you see 22 inches of the arrow sticking out as he's running away and you just, your heart just sinks and you know that that's probably not going to do it, you know, and, uh, but at the same time, you're sitting there thinking there's there's an artery, there's a windpipe, there's there's options of things that you can hit. You know, you're just grasping at, at, at anything that you can hang some hope onto. So I end up checking my phone and my dad says, oh, I got a good, got a pretty good one. You know, and I'm like, oh, heck yeah, let's go. You know, we, we both shot good deer within the same half hour on this November 4th, beautiful morning. So things were happening. I mean, this was prime time. And so I back out, I go back to the truck, I go back to the house, he backs out and I get back and he's like, well, I don't know if I hit mine good. I have no clue where I hit mine. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this, you know, and he's shooting a crossbow and, uh, you know, he's got a bad shoulder and all that. So um, his story was he was sitting on his alfalfa field and he had a little buck, a three-year-old behind him making a scrape and he couldn't quite tell what it was. Um, so he snort wheezed. And as soon as he snort wheezed, he looks over and this is another uh, negative for those blinds is this deer snuck up to about 10 yards from him before he saw him. You know, must have been right in between windows. He was also paying attention to that three-year-old. Looks over and 10 yards away, there's a really nice buck 
truck um, kind of coming out to see what's what the heck was making all that noise. And so he gets ready. He says, of course, it was a scramble. You know, you're getting your crossbow ready, getting windows ready and all that. And he got about a 30 yard shot by the time he uh, got his crossbow up and he didn't know if he hit it or not. So he knew he hit it. He just didn't know how well he hit it. So I say, all right, well, I'm not sure about my shot. You're not sure about your shot. Let's go get breakfast. Let's go relax. Let's let these deer sit for a little bit. And uh, so we go get breakfast. We make it about 40 minutes in breakfast because we're so anxious to get back to the farm. We pick up his trail because we're more confident in his shot. And uh, his deer made it 25 yards. We have no clue how my dad didn't hear it crash, but it was just beautiful. We believe it was a four-year-old. It was a 10-pointer with little kickers off the G2s, uh, probably about 150, 155-inch deer. So we were we were flying high. I mean, that was a deer we knew. We'd been watching him all summer. And so, um, you know, we were thrilled. He got off to a good start start there that season so um Excellent. so i mean we were pumped we went back took pictures did the whole nine yards sent out the text and all that and then it was time to go look for mine and i just you know just did not have a good feeling at all and sure enough we went to the same the spot where he was and i we didn't find a single drop of blood and we followed it all the way to where i you know, I could see him run for about 100 yards and not a single drop of blood. And, um, you know, I just knew that that was most likely it was not a fatal hit. I knew if we walked up there and there was evidence of an artery shot or something like that, or if you hit him in a in the windpipe, he'd be sitting there dead. But, you know, no, nothing that gave you any optimism. So we, we ended up backing out and I'm happy for my dad, but I'm upset about what happened that morning. And um, so fast forward to the afternoon not much of a fast forward because we had a pretty busy morning. I go to another other side of the farm um, and I get all the way to my tree, to my ladder stand. And there's there's a dead tree that fell right on my ladder stand. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So stand there for a little bit thinking where the heck I'm going to go. And not too excited about this, you know, walking all over the property and decided to go into the middle of our 40 acre chunk of timber, which is a great spot. Uh, Brian, you actually hunted there last year when you came for, for doe season. Beautiful spot down in a creek yeah. bottom. And... Uh, I get about 15 minutes, 15 yards from the tree and I start hearing a deer sneezing. You know, that's what it sounded like, just snorting and sneezing. I look up and it's one of our, I don't want to call him a scrub, but he's about 110 inch, six, six year old. And he's out there just snorting and sneezing and at 45, 50 yards, something like that, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what he's doing, but every 10 seconds he would let out these big sneezes. And so I, I got on the ground. It was like, well, if he if he gives me a shot, I'm going to take it. But he never did. I, I watched him for 10 minutes. I, he moved off, whatever. Get up in the tree and I'm still, you know, feeling sorry for myself about the morning. And uh, saw a couple of does, a little buck. And then all of a sudden I hear some grunting behind me. I turn around, there's two does skirting through the woods and one of our good four-year-old 10 pointers with some stickers grunting right on their tails. And so I'm watching them get my bow ready and everything. And, and I say, oh, well, you know what, let me, let me try a snort and wheeze at him. And I let out a big old snort wheeze. This is about a half hour before dark. And, uh, and he just keeps following the does. I'm like, well, that's, that's what I figured would happen, but not much to lose. Two minutes later, I hear a buck coming, snorting, grunting again and he gets to about 35 yards in the brush and starts raking a tree and i get my binoculars up i see who it is i'm like okay well here we go we got a we got a shooting lane here we're we're ready to rock get drawn he steps out to 25 yards absolutely perfect stopped him in his tracks with a little map and released the arrow and i even you know thought to myself as i'm aiming let's let's just go back a touch on the on the aim point here let's go middle of the body because you know there's a contingent of people out there that that aim for the middle of the body i don't necessarily agree with it but it is true that if you hit them in the middle of the body they're going to die right and after being a little gun shy about that shoulder i did put it a little back funny thing is left and right i was pretty good but i hit about four inches high, right about in the back strap. 
and immediately no penetration again i knew we were hosed and i you know you want to talk about the lows of lows two deer that were over five and a half years old in the same day that i got about a total of four inches of penetration on you know just heartbreaking they're terrible shots by me and you know the first one was 42 yards so i trying to give myself a little grace on that that it's it was, it was a long shot and i understand the risks of taking a shot that far um but this 25 yard chip shot there's no excuse you know and so i knew that that probably wasn't a vital shot or a, you know, a deadly shot either. So I, I ended up just getting out of the tree stand at that point and going back and sulking in my, my, t- my tears there that evening. I don't even think I texted anybody about that when I just went and we got some dinner. I was ready to be done, you know. Um, but we woke up the next morning. We started trailing that deer. Little drops of blood, not much going on. And we I, I ended up mapping how far I, I tracked him and it was 700 yards. And I ended up getting to the point where I got to him bedded through thick honeysuckle. Couldn't see very much. And I heard him jump up. And then I, you know, I could, it was so close. I could smell him. He just smelled like a rutted up buck. And um, he took off and I, I knew he was fine then, you know. We we have since just like Brian's situation got pictures of him and sure enough he's got a little slit under his vertebrae right where his back strap would be. Um, so you know just completely deflated. Thank goodness my dad was able to carry the team that day to keep me a little bit happy. But you know you guys know how that goes. It was a horrible day. So what are you going to do? You got to try and pick yourself up at that point. So exactly. Yeah, and you're you're in the same situation like like you mentioned about me. You know. You, you're, you're pretty automatic yourself and you practice and you, you've always made good decisions on when and how and where to shoot deer. And it, it's frustrating, but you know, normally you're, you're money. So it's, you find yeah. yourself in uncharted waters, especially two in one day. Two in one day. This, I mean, it, it was, I'll, I'll say this. It was the greatest day we've ever had in the deer woods. I mean, in our career, I mean, my dad shot a buck. I had a number one deer and a number three or four on the property in the same day. I mean, it was just a wild day. And those bucks, man, they were on freaking fire and they were up on their feet looking for fights, looking for whatever, you know, other bucks, buck activity. So mental note for myself, November 4th. I mean, we got the good weather too, but I mean, that was, that was just out of this world. So I got, I got in the stand the, the following night as well. And it was a Sunday night on November 5th. And I saw another one of our shooters came pretty darn close to me too, 50 yards. But at that point, I was so deflated and so uh, my, my self-esteem was so low. I needed about a 12-yard shot, not a 50-yard shot. So um, that one walked without it, without getting injured. So um, so fast forward to the next weekend. And Saturday morning, had a great hunt. Saw a bunch of different bucks. Nothing I was too interested in. Saturday night was a little bit slower. And then uh, Sunday morning, um, and let me back up. That, that This was November 12th. My dad's birthday is November 13th. So every year we bring out my sister, my brother-in-law, my two nephews, my wife, my two kids, my dad, his wife. So, I mean, it's a big party all weekend. We make steak and lobster for his birthday and make it into a whole big deal and everything. And so that's that Sunday morning we're sitting there and, you know, I, I know I've got the family with me and um, sitting on an east-west ridge. And this is the 10-acre ridge top that I had uh, logged pretty heavily 18 months ago. So it's really starting to, to come back pretty nicely. And um, there was a south wind. So I was sitting on the north end of the ridge. Idea, again, is down downwind side of the bedding area and hoping that you can catch buck cruising. And, um, you know, so the, the morning goes by and saw a couple deer, you know, nothing crazy. I had a little six or seven pointer bedded up at about 70 yards for about an hour in front of me. And he was just kind of hanging out. And then he got up and this is about 830 in the morning. And I, I was like, you know what? I know I'm not going to sit real late. I had sat till noon the, the morning before and I got to get the kids home. 
you know, get ready for school and all that stuff. That starts to creep in your mind. And, you know, I'm just sitting there. I'm saying, I probably have another hour and a half of my sit. Maybe I need to get aggressive and just try rattling at this point. You know, these bucks just got so much testosterone flowing through their veins and they're just so on edge and they're so fired up. Let me, let me see what I can do. I'd seen maybe 13 bucks a morning before that. It was just, you know, things were happening. And so I get the antlers out, which I hadn't done in a couple of weeks. And and I hit the heck out of them. I mean, I was smashing them for 45 seconds, just thinking, you know, maybe this is all it's going to take. If not, my, my weekend's over anyways. And sure enough, that seven pointer that I saw bedded up comes basically directly at me, but veers off to my right and he goes behind me. And then I look up and there's a little eight pointer following the same exact trail as that deer. And he locked eyes with that seven pointer and he was coming to the seven pointer now. And so I saw they both had walked by 25 yards to my right. And then I look up again and here comes a buck that we've been chasing. Uh, we had on camera all year and, um, to give a little backstory on this buck, he, we believe him to be six and a half years old. We had him wow. three years ago on on trail camera, and he's very distinctive. He's got these really tall brow tines. Uh, not much else going on his head, and this is one of the bucks that I talked about in October when we were on and just said he's an old deer. He doesn't have a whole lot on his on his head, but, I mean, he's one that I would shoot for sure. Um, but he was cl- kind of climbing my ranks as, just because I knew he was old and big body and all that stuff. And I saw him coming because he's so easy to see with those brow tines. Three years ago, we'd actually nicknamed him uh, Maleficent. And I don't know how many guys out there, gals out there know the Sleeping Beauty if you got little girls at your house. But the villain in the Sleeping Beauty has these curled horns that look like brow tines. And my wife looked at this deer and she's like, that looks just like Maleficent. I said, all right, sold Maleficent. I love it. Um, so I saw, I saw those brow tines coming through and I knew who it was immediately. And I just went into, all right, we got to get this deer killed. I know exactly where he's going to go. And so he gets, he's following the same exact trail. I get drawn back 24, 25 yards, something like that. And he steps right to where I want to shoot him right before he gets back behind me. And, uh, and he's quarter and two. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, like for what I've been through the week before, do I want to be taking a quartering two shot with this six and a half year old body with this just big giant freaking shoulder staring me in the face? <laughs> and so I thought about it for a second. I stopped him. I thought about it and had my pin on his shoulder and I moved it back two or three inches and released and hit him and hit just where I where I wanted to aim. But as he's running away, I'm like, God, that angle looks so steep and he's it's far back. I mean, I know it's a dead deer at this point. It's middle of his body is the entry point, but again, quartering, quartering two. So it looks like it's aiming towards his butt, you know? And uh, he takes off running about 60 or 70 yards, stops on the trail, and I get the binoculars up on him. I see the arrow sticking halfway out, and then I see him look up at his face, and he's got his mouth wide open, just panting. And I'm like, all right. I, I mean, he's hit hard. Um, you know, and I'm, now I'm kind of expecting him to fall over, but he does not. And he stands there for a couple minutes, and then he walks down the trail that I walk in on to get to the top of this ridge. Goes down to a creek bed, and and I'm like, all right, he's got to bed up in that creek bed and die. I immediately start texting my family saying, you guys got to get out of here. Go home. I'm going to wait seven hours before I go and track this deer, um, and then probably start a couple hours before for dark to go look at him. So I end up going out of that stand a very long way through the brush and the brambles away from the trail. And get back to the house. We sit, sit around, we watch football, we do whatever, get packed up. Families leave. It's just me, my dad, my nephew, and my brother-in-law. And uh, we go back out and look and I say, all right, he stopped at a spot about 70 yards away from where I shot him. And he stood there for two or three minutes. There's got to be some blood there. Let's start there. So I walk in, no blood. And at this point, I think my dad's starting to think I'm freaking crazy after presumably injuring three deer in two weekends. 
And, uh, you know, I start to see that he's losing faith in me here. So we end up walking down that ridge. We, we And I, I get to the creek where I figure he's got to be bedded up. You know, you hear they, they die in the creek all the time when they're gut shot. And so we spread out and uh, I bet you we spent an hour looking for blood, looking for tracks, looking for anything. And we got absolutely nothing. I mean, you know, when you're starting to just look for blood and you're just hoping you get a little drop and. I'm sitting there thinking, seriously having a sing- inner di- dialogue with myself saying, do I need to pick up a crossbow? I mean, this is three good deer that I've shot and not killed right away in, in a week. You know, I mean, you're at the lowest of your lows. And uh, so we end up getting back and convening and nobody saw anything. And we we're saying, all right, let's take the side by side and let's drive through our CRP patch that's right there just to try and find a, a dead body. And we get about 10 yards from the side by side and I see maybe five or six drops of blood, just random in the middle of the trail. Wasn't even thinking he was going that way. And I said, okay, we got new life here. Um, So we knew that he had gotten close to where the the side by side was. And I ended up looking at how far that was from the shot. And it was the first blood at 240 yards. Wow. I mean, it was, and I knew it was going to be a brutal track job with, you know, a, a gut shot that didn't penetrate the, an exit hole. Um, but we spread out from there. We had about 45 minutes left of light. There was a cedar thicket and there was also a big woodlot right there. So we split up two and two. I went in the woodlot first. My dad and my nephew went in the cedar thicket. They didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take one trip through the cedar thicket because I kind of know that area. I've shed hunted through there. And I just happened as I'm walking through it to look over and there he is sitting dead with an arrow sticking out of him. Like, you have got to be kidding me. This It was a two and a half hour track job and we found five or six drops of blood. Nothing. And just happened to luckily walk upon him. So, um, you know, I was Incredible. absolutely thrilled it was the the lowest of lows the highest of highs of course and uh i ended up looking you know at the end the next day and he was 400 yards from where i shot him just wow better than a doornail right like better than a doornail stiff as a board so he must have been dead for a couple hours wow um you know i'm shooting an expandable hypodermic which i was ready to never buy a, a rage product ever again after uh after my rut this year and then i'm like well it did did do a number on him it just didn't bleed you know that's all it was so he was a cool deer i mean he unfortunately he broke off both of his g2s in the four days since i had the last trail camera video of him so that was november 12th i killed him and i had a beautiful video of him on the 8th but that makes sense i mean he was in a pissed off mood he he came to the rattle um right after he had just been through a brawl apparently so um i mean he was still rocking and rolling he was ready to rock and the neck on this thing was just gigantic i mean he was he was a big boy but just never had much on his head so I mean, he's not one of those pretty bucks. He's, it's an age before uh, beauty on this one, but I was thrilled to get him killed. So long story short, that's my that's my rut couple weeks there. That uh, you know, humbling is is the best word I could use. Um, but it was a it was an emotional roller coaster, that's for sure. That buck looked pretty to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, without with missing his both his G twos, he didn't look, he didn't have a whole lot. To yeah, look at. I know what you're saying. Yep. Well, the brows were great. He had, you know, I think, his one brow was ten or eleven inches, and his other brow was seven or eight inches. So yeah, I mean, he has friggin' daggers coming up, but uh, and heavy as can be, you know, is the neck on him, like I said, was was huge. So it was a good deer to kill. I was excited to get him. That's for sure. But well, his neck in that picture um, with your Habitat podcast hat on his neck is like the size of your waist. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, I'm congratulations, man. That's a heck of a deer. 
Would you say 10 or 11 inch brow tine on that right eye guard there? Yeah, I, I didn't measure them, but I was trying to figure it out. Mm. I think, I mean, it's got to be 10 or 11 inches. The one yeah. Brow. So he was a cool brow. He was, he was easy to spot, you know, easy to uh, identify for the last sure. couple of years. But it was interesting because three years ago, we had pictures of him. Two years ago, we had a couple pictures of him. And the year that we logged, and I want to bring this up because we talk about logging so much. Mm-hmm. The year that we had the logging operation, he completely disappeared. Completely. So, I mean, I, I always hear the, the loggers or everybody say, you know, the logging really doesn't bother them. They come back and eat the tops. I think that's bull. I think there's there's definitely certain deer <laughs> that just will not tolerate that kind of intrusion, that kind of their bedroom being completely tore up, you know. Um, but then, you know, a year later, when it's all grown back, that deer was more regular than before. So he got super comfortable back in there after it got grown up a little bit. So that was just a kind of a takeaway. You know, we, we always get so worried about this this logging, you know, how ugly it looks and you just hope it doesn't have a huge impact and it, it will temporarily, I think personally, but it's totally you're right. It. Totally. I, th- I mean, I think you're right. A hundred percent. Um, and it all depends on the deer. You know, you, you said it perfectly there. Certain deer will not tolerate it. And, and I agree that, you know, a six and a half year old deer or five or four, um, even in Michigan, maybe a three and a half year old deer yeah. will probably not tolerate a bunch of people in his bedroom. So we're always so cautious on pressure and access and, the stuff you've all heard us talk about a hundred times, but um, sometimes it's, you know, there's a sacrifice for the greater good. Right. right. And uh, man, Sam, he's a hog dude. Guys, we're, he's up on Instagram. We have him and Brian's bucks up on Instagram. We posted him uh, tonight. Just Sam, when your buck came through the woods, I mean, I bet I'd have been like, I'm shooting him within a 10th of a second. Like that, the big body on those deer. Uh, yeah, and I, and I had zero hesitation as well. As soon as, as soon as I saw that brow tine, I knew exactly who he was. Cause we, we, you know, had, 30 trail camera pictures and a couple awesome videos of him. So I, I knew he was one that we were in there to kill. Um, I did not see that both of his G2s were broken off, but I would have shot him anyways if I had seen it. Um, I've got my taxidermist fixing those up. I mean, it's they're, they're both six or seven inch points. It's not like they're gigantic points by any means. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what the taxidermist comes up on it. So cool heck yeah well you guys both hung in there after it you know we had some woes and you got past it yeah and now look at you you know smiling behind bucks great pictures um i think it's just you know there's like a lesson there of just just don't give up yet it's very cliche blah 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 i get all that you know things are cliche for a reason because they're actually true but um well done to both of you guys i mean that's amazing well, thank you appreciate that well we got, we got time for your story jared I, I sorry i went on about injuring bucks for a half hour there <laughs> it's it's okay i mean how much time do you guys have are you guys good i'm good to go go ahead I, mine's kind of like brian's it, it, there's not a ton of um excitement in terms of you know storytelling stuff so i'm, I'm glad saying that you went on about that because that was amazing uh, no, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't miss a deer this year. You know, I, it was October 30th. Are you just trying to make us feel better, Jared, at this point? Or no, what? no, no. People are going <laughs> to like turn off this podcast and be like, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah, bunch of slugs over here in the Habitat yeah. podcast. Yeah, stick to the Habitat. Quit, quit shooting the deer. Hey, yeah. you know, one thing, Brian, you and I have done since the beginning is we haven't lied about a dang thing. And we're going to tell the truth and be relatable to who we are because everybody else out there is doing the same thing we are. Um, and Sam, you've been here since the beginning as well. And that's, yeah. that's what we do. So good, bad or ugly, we tell it how it is. Um, and maybe that's what separates us. But no, I, I had a really, really good hunting night. And I, I can't remember if I talked about it. I think maybe I talked about it in, in an intro real quick, but. I think it was the 
30th of October. Um, had a really good night out on that that new lease. I'm kind of in between properties. The 15 acres, uh, my good friend now, Tom, podcast listener who bought it, he shot a real nice buck. His wife shot a real nice buck. The 15 acres is on fire. Imagine that, right? So I'm super proud of that. That's badass. These guys are killing deer out there. Um, I'm kind of in a transition zone in, in between something I'm I'm comfortable with and have put my time and effort into. Uh, so I'm, I'm on this lease uh, where, where my buddy Bob shot that big eight point tonight. I had a great hunt in uh, late October. Uh, good eight point came out early, like four or 15. And I had my site dialed into 25 yards, figuring they hit this mock scrape. Well, he came in shallow, you know, 19 yards. Um, I was trying to film it. I was trying to do about 19 different things at once. I hadn't hung that stand before and I drew back and there's a big branch coming across my, the top of my limb. I'm like, man, if I let this arrow go, my bow's going to blow up. Like I cannot hit that limb. And basically long story short, I had about 29 things going through my brain at once. <laughs> and I totally, um, trying to stop the deer in frame, all this stuff. And I missed him right over his back. And, uh, he ran away. He went, you know, 10 yards, walked away to about 30 or 40 yards. And then I didn't have a shot anymore. Uh, kind of just one of those, you know, like, like you said, Brian, like that getting excited, the trying, you know, I shoot all the time. Shoot, I already shot a doe at that point in my bow this year. I already got the yips out, so I thought. So you guys' point, the low of the low, all right, shake it off, keep moving on. Um, didn't really have any other bow opportunities. Saw a couple of nice other bucks way out in the swamp chasing does that night. I never really had a good shooter buck within bow range besides that one. And he was a good deer. He wasn't a, a giant, a giant deer, gigantic deer by any means, but good deer. Um, so then you know, season goes on. I go up north to deer camp. Uh, you guys have heard that story on the podcast. Whacked a good doe up there. Uh, you know, I just but really wanted to huh? And a good tree you whacked. Yeah, actually, yeah. I shot through the tree into the deer. Um it's incredible. If you guys want to follow me for more trick shots, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm online. Uh yeah, that was just another I was looking at that video today, actually saying like now you say that. I just just continuing to put the time in, enjoying myself out with my friends, my family, um, having a good time. But that pressure of, hey, man, I I'd really like to harvest a good buck. Like, that would be cool. I really, really enjoy that. Shot a bunch of does last year, shot a bunch of does this year, ready to go. So finally, nothing happened within rifle season. Um, work's been crazy this year as well. I didn't get down to Ohio like I was hoping to. Um, kids have all been sick a bunch and blah, blah, blah. Whatever excuse you want to you want to pull out. So Illinois in my back pocket, second gun season down with my buddy, Jordan. Brian's been down there with me before last year. We went down for bow hunting and it was like 75 degrees and 40 mile hour winds. Um, good, good farm. He's got down there. It's not like, you know, an Iowa where there's 28 points behind every tree and it, it's, it's a solid farm. It's a great farm, but like they hunt it. Everybody around their hunts. It's, it's hunted. And the guys in first season. So Illinois, as you know, Sam and Brian, they have two shotgun seasons and then they have a muzzle loader. Well, during the first season of gun, I'm up at deer camp in Northern Michigan with all my boys. So then we went down or I went down for second season. Well, the guys in first season in Illinois did a number. They killed like five bucks off Jordan's ground. Um, his dad shot his biggest buck ever. Jordan shot 161 inch deer. Uh, he shot another deer, another guy from Texas that he let hunt shot a deer. Like everybody's hammering a bunch of big deer. I'm like, all right, well, that's great. Keep hammering. You know, I'll be down there and hopefully there's something something good to hunt and get to spend time with my friend. 
So I get down there and there's really um, one one nice A point on camera within the last probably four or five days before I got down. And you never know what can pop in. But we decided, you know, let's go after this buck. And the first morning we got in the blind opening morning. Um, first deer we saw was this buck popping out way down the edge of the cut bean field. He looks right at Jordan side by side and, you know, turns the other way and takes off. And it's like, you know, in, in Michigan... We, we don't get away with parking quads on the edge of a field or trucks on the edge of a field and hunting, you know, a few hundred yards away. Uh, it's, just, it's just a different world sometimes and, and deer do different things in different parts. It's not my it's not my area. I don't know the deer any better than anybody else. I I trust my my buddy. So he's like, nah, we're good. We're good. So we, we hunt that morning. He missed a doe um, later that morning. We hunted that night in a different spot and saw a bunch of little bucks, a bunch of does. We, I thought we passed probably four or five bucks. He was tagged out, but I, so I passed four or five bucks. Um, the next morning we go in there. I'm like, Jordan, let's park this side by side, you know, across the street on your neighbor's ground next to this barn. You think that's okay? He's like, yeah, I actually talked to him. He said I could park over here. I'm like, let's, let's just try it. And again, I'm going to just, you know, rub it in his face for the next couple of years just to make a joke that that's the reason we killed the buck. And uh, the buck never would have saw the side by side that I shot, but it's just this little inner joke we have now. And so we park over there. We, we slide into the blind again, same blind. And we're sitting there having a good time. Um, it rained all night, weather's breaking. And then I, I catch some movement down in the timber to my right. And I see some does moseying around in there. And uh, three does, two does and a doe fawn. And, you know, keep watching them. Just keep watching them. The only deer we've seen all morning, just keep, you never know. And here comes the six point, the same six point we saw the day before um, that, that we'd passed. And he's bumping them around, this and that. And and they kind of all take off behind us towards our downwind. And um, he's like, man, you got a doe tag. I'm like, I, I know, but we got a few more days left. Let's just hold out and, and see. He's like, well, I might just rope one if, if they come in. And I'm like, all right, you know, your, your choice. And uh, we're sitting there. Next thing you know, about seven does come running back the other direction and we're glassing and glassing and glassing. And all of a sudden this A point comes walking through the timber. I'm like, Oh, that's a better deer. I can just, you know, tell right away. It's, it's not that six point. It's a nice A point. And he's walking through the timber. Um, he comes kind of right at us. He's behind a bunch of brush quartering away. I get down on my knee. I turn around. He's off to my right side, my weak side with the gun. So I turn all the way around. And um, I settled on him and I just couldn't get a clear shot about 60 yards away through the timber. Brian, it's the same spot where, he, where Jordan shot that drop time buck, if you recall. Um, it kind of it kind of drops oh, yeah. off down yeah. the hill into the timber through a quail strip. We're hunting like a quail strip. And finally, that buck, you know, he's sitting there just watching these does. And like you said, Brian, the younger me would have slung lead through that pile of brush and, you know, through a tree into a deer <laughs> like I did with a seven mag. Well, this isn't a seven mag. It's a single <laughs> shot, 350. And um, I was like, man, I just, I, it's just, he's, he's not spooked. Just give me one more second. And, and Jordan gets excited. Jordan's like me, you know, like, like me and my buddy's like, let's get him, shoot him. Let's go. Come on. You got a shot. Take him. You know, I'm like, all right, hold on, hold on. And so finally we get him in another gap and uh, I did have a clear shot. And so I, I cracked it off. Um, it came running right at us and died in front of us. You know, he's kind of, I was reloading the single shot and he's, he's kind of falling back on his heels and then goes down. And I mean, just like you couldn't have, you couldn't have written a better story. It's not the most exciting thing in the world, but man, was I jacked up and 
relieved and monkey off your back and satisfied and everything about it was just like this is this is amazing and and not to get too too uh tear tear jerking but i was talking to my brother the other night and i said a prayer to my to my well to god and to my grandpa and my my friend tom my friend tom was in my wedding he passed away about uh, five or six years ago and my grandpa and they're both obsessed with hunting so i'm like hey boys you know i'm not asking for a buck just give me an opportunity give me an opportunity i'll I'll screw up the rest, you know? So it was pretty cool that it all kind of happened together. My good buddy Jordan sitting right next to me. And um, yeah, just, we just sat there for about a half hour, drinking some coffee, eating some nutty bars and uh, enjoying ourselves. And man, nice, nice solid eight point. We think it's a run, pretty run down three-year-old, um, tall, not super wide, but nice and tall. Um, good, good solid deer. Beautiful, perfect eight point. Heart shot. Uh, again, just blessed, man. Couldn't couldn't ask for a better deal. Um, you know, we all went through some crap this season trying to get the the job done. So when it was done, laying there in front of me, and I could just sit there and look at it. I don't know. It doesn't get much better than that. Well, it's nice to get a change of scenery too. You just got to come down to Illinois, you know, once in a while, and and uh, and take care of your uh, your itch there. You know. <laughs> hey, I I, everybody, stay out of Illinois. Stay in Michigan. Stay in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Tell me so, about congratulations. It. That's awesome. I mean, Illinois has been lucky for you, uh, especially with Jordan. I mean, that's that sounds like a pretty awesome trip. Every time you guys go down there, it's uh must be a special place. And Jordan sounds like a great dude. So, congrats. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful place for sure, and uh, the best as far as people go, no question. Yep, you guys nailed it, Jordan. Uh, I owe it to him. He's a great friend of mine. Um, we met at the ATA show. I don't know five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, all those guys down there, Jordan, Dusty, Andy, um, Jordan's family. You know, it's it's all it's all just like another family. You know, I feel welcome. It's all part of the deal. But what those guys do, like they like they hunt. Like we we hunted that deer down. We watched cameras. Jordan hunts deer down, you know, I don't know if there's less deer down there. Uh, I, I know there's less deer down there than Michigan. Um, he knows like every deer. Oh yeah. That's the doe, the two fawns. Oh yeah. That's that buck. Oh no, that's that like every deer, which is interesting to me because up in Michigan, um, we have a lot of deer. I don't, I don't try to know every doe, you know? So it's, I give the guy props. I give those guys props down there. They hunt, they hunt it down. They got the ground figured out. They know where the deer is going to move through. They, they have it patterned. Um, and I know my way around down there after four seasons hunting down there. It's it's not a slam dunk by any means, but man, it's fun to go down there and, and shoot some deer. We ended up shooting a couple does uh, for Jordan's dad and the farmer. Um, so again, with your buddy shooting deer in the blind together, like there's not much more fun than that, guys. I'm telling you. You nailed it. Doesn't get any better than that. That's what it's all about. Great story, great experience, and a, and a great buck. I mean, that, that thing's going to look good. You'll you'll have some memories looking back when you see those antlers, and uh, just you, you take advantage of the opportunities you get, like we talked about, and uh, make good on it, man. Congrats. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate it, guys. Um, it's been a it's been a long season so far. I can't believe it's already December. Um, it's not over yet for everybody out there still grinding. Keep after it. We still have time. We still have time. I still have buck tags. Brian still got buck tags. Sam still got buck tags. Uh, Al might be the only one without them. But man, it's still go time. So thank you guys for coming on and telling your story tonight. Really appreciate it. And uh, it was good to catch up with you. Heck yeah, buddy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yeah, good luck the rest of the season. All right, you too. You too. Thank you very much for listening to the Habitat Podcast. Guys, we will be back with another great episode next week. I just want to say once again how grateful we are for the listenership we have and 
the the loyal listeners you guys have been and supporters of the podcast. For those of you who want to support further, we have free decals being sent out to those who leave us great reviews. Scroll down, hit the link to leave a great review, and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a free five-inch decal in the mail right away. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors, Vitalize Seed Company at vitalizedseed.com, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Packer Max Cultipackers, Morse Nursery, Acres.com, Downburst Cedars, First Light, United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers.